You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today, what I was thinking we would do, and this is something that was suggested by Mr. Sam on Twitter, and I have actually done it once before, but it was a long time ago, so things have changed, so we're going to revisit it. Essentially, the thought process is this. Right around this time, maybe a little bit before this time, Jair Alexander was a second-round pick. He was a unanimous second-round pick. He was liked as a corner. He was thought of as an option for the Packers, but it was going to be in the second round. Then you essentially had one guy, Mr. Mike Mayock, who is no longer in that industry, come out with his one, what is it, his rankings or his mock draft? He did, he did one, and it was right before the draft. And he comes out and says, uh, I don't know if it was Jair to the Packers or if he I think he I think he said Jair was his number one cornerback is what it was. And everybody was kind of stunned. But because Mayock was basically one of the best, if not the best in that industry, nobody's coming out and saying you're a dummy. Everyone just comes out and says, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I always kind of felt that if it was, you know, I don't know. I was going to say Stephen A., but I don't even think he does this. If it was somebody that people like to mock a little bit, people like to mock mocks and whatnot, it probably would have been dismissed. But then you have big-name guys, and I'm talking, you know, you got guys like Daniel Jeremiah, who you assume are somewhat insiders in their own right, although who's actually an insider? Probably very few people. But guys like that then start doing their mock drafts and then mocking uh, Jair to the Packers. So... When the draft happened and Jair went at um, wherever we ended up picking him, I don't remember, 18 or something, it was kind of like, um, it it was tough because in my mind he's still a second-round guy. However, recently I've been told that he is maybe the best corner in this draft, so I, I should be excited, but I don't know if I am excited. It was a weird feeling, but obviously it panned out okay. Now, we don't have Mayock this year. And I don't know how many Mayock-type guys that there are. There's a lot of people we can throw out there and say maybe they're kind of Mayock-ish. But I I just, I don't know. I don't know too many people that were that respected, you know, as Mike Mayock that's going to be able to have that kind of pull. But what we can do anyways, and what we're going to do, is to start looking at some of the other options at 12, and specifically at 30, because there's going to be a lot more options at 30. And... The basic way that I'm going to do this is I'm going to use NFLBigBoard.com, which is uh, my site that I'm trying to get you to go to, because one of the features that I have on there, because all it is is an aggregator, is um, I've got high and low on there, which I probably have it reversed, but I don't care. I, I, I just refuse to say that one is higher than five. I just, I can't do that. That's why, you know, up and down the board always freaks me out. Like, you know, you're going to go higher up to number one. Like, one isn't higher than five. I don't know, maybe next year I'll do it right. I just refuse to not do basic math. But I have average, low, and high. And all that is is looking at the aggregation and telling you what is the highest and lowest rank that these people are. Or in reverse order, lowest number and highest number that they're ranked. 
I should just flip it. But what it does is kind of give you an idea of some of the fluctuation, right? You, you might have a guy that's, for example, Quinn and Williams is ranked number two. His highest rank is number one. His lowest rank is number two. Not a whole lot of fluctuation there. A little bit more fluctuation, Nick Bosa, number one and number four. Then you get to Ed Oliver, you got as high as number two, as low as number 23. Then you get Jeffrey Simmons, because but this is probably a little different because some people just base it on talent and some people base it more on where they're going to fall. But as high as two, as low as 84. So that's another cool feature on NFLBigBoard.com to kind of give you an idea of some of the potential of a person falling way down the board or getting drafted really high, and the, the latter is kind of what we're looking at today. Before we get there, though, once again, thank you guys so much for the uh, five-star reviews. We're currently up to 155, so we've far surpassed it. As I said yesterday, there will be a live stream, so we're good to go there. However, there's still the PFF giveaway, so if you do not have Pro Football Focus and you would like it for the entire year, Go ahead and drop a five-star review. When we get to 200 reviews, I'll be giving away one of those bad boys. Just send me in one way or another uh, the five-star review. Take a screenshot of it. You can put it in the Facebook group, send it to me on Twitter, um, or just text it to me with the text message that I'll be giving to you shortly. Or if you have my email, like some of you people do, which is creepy, but that's fine, (laughs) you can also email it to me. Uh, Once again, thank you guys who are in Patreon for your support. As I've said, for as little as a buck a month, you can get my full positional breakdown. And with that comes all the advanced stats that go along with that. And you can kind of take it for yourself. I mean, if you're curious how I did it, I can just, you know, just ask me and I'll show you how to do it. But all you really have to do is create another row beneath all the players in each of the columns and then just put a number, right? So one could be the standard. So if you just put ones beneath all the the columns and then take the number, multiply it by one, and then just add all these up, you know what I mean, in the, in a final column, then it adds up. But then you can just change it from one to two, two to three. You can do 0.5 for strength of schedule if it's not as important, whatever. You can also add things. I mean, I'm just saying, if you want to build one, you can take mine as sort of a template. Just a thought, I don't know. Figure of all the people listening, I can't be the only math nerd that wants to play with an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, be sure to get into the Packernet Facebook group. Packernet Podcast, Facebook group, whatever. Uh, The plan is to stream it to as many places as is possible. I'm currently working on that. I haven't entirely figured it out. I'm spending way too much time working on unnecessary things like cool little features when really I should just point a camera at something and start recording and worry about distribution, but I haven't gotten that far yet. But ideally it's going to be YouTube, Facebook, I, I don't know, whatever else exists. Oh, Twitch. I want to get that figured out. I don't think anyone's really going to watch on Twitch, but that's kind of a cool thing that the kids are doing these days, so I want to get on Twitch. So make it as accessible as possible, but if you get in the Facebook group, that just simplifies everything. Otherwise, if you have any questions or if you'd like to get something off your chest, 608-501-0718. Take a little break, Ski, and we'll come back and talk about it. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so I want to go in this. I thought about another dynamic that I could add to this, so it's going to be a little bit different. Because there's you know, one or two guys that could be there at 12 that we haven't really talked about very much because they're seen as later prospects, whether that's later in the first, which technically I, I still have the 2018 NFL big board up. And by the time I got my final board up, Jair had already come into the first round. He was technically 27th. But beyond that, and beyond, you know, potentially people being there at 30 that we don't talk about, there's also the dynamic of people being there at 30 or 44 that we don't expect because we assume they're going to be there much higher. In other words, who could fall? So I want to consider that dynamic as well. So I'm just going to go in order, and I just right now have it sorted by their highest ranking. But again, I'm going to be taking a look at uh, what their lowest is to see if maybe they could fall and just kind of play around. And please understand, the entire purpose of this, because I can just see people freaking out like, no, that'll never happen. That's the entire point of this. The entire point of this is to say, we've already figured out 100% what we believe makes sense. We're to the point now where if somebody does a mock draft and somebody goes five picks before where we assume they're going to go, which is an exact number, like he's going between 12 and 13 for sure. It's like, <laughs> we, we, we've we narrowed this down way too much and we, we just kind of got to take a step back and remember, it's the draft, crazy stuff's going to happen. Guys are going to go way too early, guys are going to go a lot later. In fact, I'm working on next week's mock already because I really want to put a lot of work into my last uh, Monday mock draft or whatever it is. Mock Draft Monday. I really like the way it's coming out because it's it's taking away a lot of the assumptions and looking more at the team, their trends, their rumors, their you know what they've done over the last few years, the GM as a whole, and it's really just bringing a different and it's it's refreshing. So I'm hoping that you can look at this as refreshing as opposed to doing what a lot of people do, especially on social media sites. Let's just let's forget that we're on Twitter and just come over here and hang out as friends. All right. In other words, when I say something shocking, please don't break things and storm around like a six-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. Just listen. Just listen. You'll be fine. I promise you. So anyways, we can take Nick Bosa and Quinnen Williams off the board pretty easily. Um, it's, it's come up a couple times, the situation with Nick Bosa getting overly political on Twitter and then removing those. And then a bunch of people freaked out because he followed somebody on Instagram, even though he's trying to be, like, apolitical now. He's basically being stalked. So if he even secretly is being political, people are going to find out and yell at him about it. But what I had talked to people on Twitter about is maybe we start a petition and all pretend to be very outraged so that he falls to 12. Otherwise, I don't know. We'll see. We've, we've seen several times where things get leaked. Videos of people doing bad things cause people to slide. 
But I'm going to go ahead and take those two guys off the list because although it's possible we can get them in one way or another, I'm not talking about moving up or down the board. I'm talking about who's going to be there at 12, who's going to be there at 30. As far as Ed Oliver, he could definitely fall to 12. I don't think falling to 30 is possible. On my board here, I have him as high as 2, as low as 23. So is it possible he goes into free fall and we trade up to get him? Yes. Is it even possible we trade back a little bit and still get him? Yes. But it's really unlikely, especially since, in my mind, he's not getting past the Falcons. Unless, unless it's just, it just feels like a really good fit. And I could see teams having reservations. I just really don't think that far back he would he would fall past that. But again, th- this ranking of 23 isn't somebody saying, I think he'll make it to 23. They're just saying, I think he's the 23rd best player. Um, obviously, Jeffrey Simmons, but that's kind of boring. We already understand that situation. Josh Allen, interestingly enough, and I, I know I'm going to be using this interchangeably, the furthest down the board anybody has him, or the, the worst grade they have on my, is 11th. And I'll, I'll be completely honest, I think, and this is going to be reflected in my mock draft, so be prepared for this when this happens, because you're going to be very outraged. I think Josh Allen could fall. He's not going to fall far in my mock, but it's it's not based on what I would do. It's based on what would probably happen. But I also think Brian Burns is going to fall. I don't mean into the second round or anything crazy. I just think we overhype these guys. I think Josh Allen is not nearly as good of a pass rusher as we say he is. I think he's more versatile is, is his kind of whole thing. I don't know that he's going to hold up as great against the run, and I think he's extremely one-dimensional as a pass rusher. And I think the same could be said about Brian Burns. He's very, very small, and I think he could end up like a lot of these small speed bend guys that just don't pan out. Right? D. Ford panned out after like four years, and he panned out for a year. You know, Dante Fowler, very similar kind of guy, just never really panned out. There's a lot of them. So I, I just, you know, th- there's other reasons I'll get into a, to a mock. But anyways, I, I think those guys could fall. Do I think Brian Burns will be there? Th- well, we'll get there. Devin White, again, very unlikely. I have him as high as three, as uh, f- as low as 23. Juwan Taylor, three and 20. So so basically, these, these are all the guys that we assume are options at 12. Whether we like it or not, it, that seems basically right is what I'm saying. In other words, we know their options at 12, and they're probably not going to make it to 30. Kyler Murray's not going to make it. Rashawn Gary is the first one that gets a little bit interesting. Rashawn Gary's all over the place. And one of the things that I'm going to be... I might as well just do the mock right now, because I'm just telling you everything that's in my mock, apparently. But one of the, the points that I make in there is I think Rashawn Gary is undervalued by most of us, including me. And I shouldn't say overvalued, because they probably do it correctly. But I think he's valued much higher in the NFL community. That's been consistent since forever. Anytime anyone talks about Rashawn Gary as far as what teams think, it's always very, very high. It's people like us who watch the tape and don't see anything special that go, he's not good. So we want to pull him down, down, down. We want him to be a second round guy. We want him to be a late second. But we can't get over the fact that everybody says since forever, he's a freak. I've never heard a team say they don't like Rashawn Gary. I've never heard anyone postulate that teams don't like him, that scouts don't like him. I've never heard anything negative about Rashawn Gary. I mean, I've seen YouTube videos of people saying that he's got limitations or this or that. I've said it. A lot of people that talk to me on on Twitter and Facebook have said it. I just think he's a very, I mean, he's one of the freakiest athletes in this whole draft process. He's one of the more versatile pieces in this draft process. However, I think there's a couple things First of all, I don't think it's going to be true that every team is going to love him. I also don't think it's true that every team is going to see him as a great scheme fit. So there's reason to believe he could fall. 
The question is how far, and I know a lot of Packer fans don't even want to entertain it because we just don't want Rashawn Gary, but the fact of the matter is I started realizing Rashawn Gary is an option as soon as we went out and got Preston and Zadarius Smith because it's a very similar kind of guy. Now, I don't know what he could do as a stand-up outside guy, but the fact of the matter is he is a pass rusher slash defensive end, and the Packers, if we drafted him, would get one of the more athletic, one of the more highly touted, highly recruited guys in all of college football and be putting him in at defensive end to basically be another Zadarius Smith. I don't like that, but we have to acknowledge it as an option. And we also have to look, again, I don't know about 12, but if he did free fall, what are the odds that the Packers took him? Because Rashawn Gary's up in the air for me. I, I think he goes early. I have him, I believe, top 10. And I don't have any reservations about that. But I could also see him falling out of the top 10. I could see him falling into the 20s. And if by some freakish miracle he falls to 30, you got to kind of want... I mean, if Rashawn Gary's there and we're on the clock, ah, there's a big part of me that's going to think, man, they're, they're just going to do it. Um, another guy here, Jonah Williams. We got we to gotta, we gotta dance party, folks. See, DJ Galaxy here has some something we, we should do a show about what dj galaxy likes because he's got his own board and what he's trying to tell you is that he loves jonah williams so let me explain what was what dj galaxy says because he gave me his input for my mock draft i also have him going high and i feel like he's exactly the same as rashawn gary we don't like jonah williams anymore but i've never heard anything negative about him and i'll give you the reason that i said this you know what i'm not i'm not there needs to be some kind of interesting tidbits that i can give you in the mock draft i'm not going to tell you why i'll tell you on monday but I have him going very early. I think most mock drafts are going to have him outside of the top 10. I have him very, very much inside the top 10. However, several offensive linemen, right? So there's there's only so many teams that are going to be taking offensive linemen. Then you factor in how many different, you know, you've got Dillard, you've got, you know, Reisner. There's a bunch of different teams that are going to be taking different prospects. And then you look at inside players, and then you look at the fact that you know, Jones, some people don't like his arm length, which I think is silly because he technically crosses that threshold. You know, some people don't see him as ultra-athletic. He's more of a, you know, probably a better run-blocking, mauling type, so it's more of a scheme fit or if you're looking for a right tackle. Whereas I think a lot of teams are looking blah, 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 right? On NFL Big Board, I have him as high as 4 and as low as 29. If Jonah Williams is there at 30, how many of us are wondering if that's going to be the pick? Obviously, it depends who's left on the board, but if Jonah Williams is there at 30, I'm feeling fairly confident that that's going to be the pick because I think he would make a very good right tackle. Uh, Brian Burns, I've said I think he's going to fall. I don't think he'll fall quite this far, but he's as high as 4, as low as 37. So you can see, and, and listen, I, I don't have, I've gotten much more selective with my boards over time. You know, when I start the year, I just need enough to make a board, and as I get closer, it's like, all right, I, I need this to be as accurate as possible. So all these are recent, and all these are, are big sites. Brian Burns' lowest is 37. It's not unanimous that he's a freak. I know the Draft Network and a lot of those guys love him. Um, I forget the... Uh, ben Solak, I think. I think he has him as like the number two pass rusher in the class. And listen, I've been big on Brian Burns for a long time, but again, there's certain things that I started to hear and certain... It just. I just started to think, you know, I don't think he's going top 10. I don't think he, I don't know if the Packers take him at 12. So yes, he, yeah, there you go. He's going to be falling past the Packers. So be prepared to be outraged, but also, if you wouldn't mind, just hearing me out. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, very, very unlikely he makes it to 30. So I think he's going to be a candidate for 12 or bust. And I don't 
necessarily want him at 12 anymore. I'm kind of cooling on that idea. Montez Sweat, I think, is interesting because, look, here's the bottom line with Montez Sweat. If he didn't have that combine, I don't think we're even talking about him as a first-round prospect. He was free-falling on boards for a while, right? He, he just started off real high, and I remember, this was back in December when I started talking about Burns, it was kind of like Montez was like in the 20s and Burns was like late 20s, and I said, why is Burns so far back? He should be ahead of guys, especially guys like Montez Sweat. And the more people actually watched him play, they were like, you know, with the exception of a few people, they unanimously just didn't get it. He doesn't didn't show a lot of bend. He didn't show a lot of pass rush prowess. He just seemed like a big, strong guy. Then he measured out well, and the assumption is, well, he must be able to do it, even though you can't really see it, which isn't necessarily true. I think tall guys just have a hard time sometimes bending, especially with your style of play or whatever. But what, bottom line is, again, if he didn't run that at the combine, I don't think I take him at 30. So I think this is another situation where he could go really, really high, definitely, and I wouldn't be surprised. If he fell, I'd be a little bit surprised, but not all that surprised. And I think the biggest reason is when you talk about a pass rusher, teams want a guy that's going to get to the quarterback. Montez Sweat shows a lot of potential in a lot of areas, and I think one of his best and lesser talked about attributes is how good he is against the run. But I don't think a lot of teams are going to take a guy like Montez Sweat if they don't think he's going to get 10 sacks in a year. And I'll be honest, I don't know if he's a 10 sack per year guy. I know he has the potential. Obviously, anybody with that kind of athleticism, if he can put it all together, can be a 10 sack guy. But there are guys drafted in the 6th and 7th round who have enough athleticism in terms of 40 time and 3 cone drill and all this kind of stuff. They have great relative athletic scores, but they're just not great football players. So there's more to it to what you ran at the Combine. He's an absolute athletic freak, but he, uh, look, he's as high as 5, as low as 30. Do I think he'll make it to 30? Absolutely not. I would, if I had to bet between him getting picked in the top 10 or making it to 30, I'd pick top 10 for sure. Teams like the Lions, I think, make sense for Montez Sweat, although not a ton, because again, if they want to add somebody, it really needs to be a speed rusher, a guy that you know, maybe isn't as good against the run, but has the potential to, you know, a Brian Burns or a Josh Allen, right? The the ability to get to those 10 sacks. You know, with the ball coming out quick, the fact of the matter is you just got to be able to get there quick sometimes. You know, Josh Allen, part of the reason he got there, and the, you know, in the NFL, he, you know, Kyler Fackrell, not calling Josh Allen Kyler Fackrell, but it's one of those things where on occasion with that speed and that burst and timing snaps or whatever, you can get there just by getting, being there fast. But I think one of the things we should look at, and I wish there was a metric, I know uh, NFL.com or whatever has it, but it's time to the, the quarterback. Like how long did it take from the snap to you to get to the quarterback? I would love to know the fastest time. Because the fact of the matter is in the NFL, the ball's coming out at what, two and a half seconds? There are some of these guys that just can't get there in that time. So it's a matter of I can get a set like Cleveland. Cleveland Furl is not getting a lot of his sacks come on extended plays, meaning if you have good DBs, these guys will make sense. I mean, they can bull rush and kind of get a little bit of pressure going on the quarterback to make him a little bit scared. But if you've got a confident quarterback who's willing to stand in a pocket and trust that even though the, the, the you know, pass rusher is kind of closing in a little bit, he's not doing anything else. He, you know, he kind of gets that initial push. And now he's just sitting there or he flies around the outside, but he doesn't have the athleticism to bend back around the corner. You just, you got to get there quick. That's one of the reasons why Ed Oliver could go really high and and Montez Sweat could fall. Ed Oliver, for all his faults, if there's one thing he can do, it's fly off the ball 
and get to the quarterback in about one second. Just insane speed. I just don't know if Montez is that guy. So can he wreck some stuff? Yes. Can he can he do a lot of different things? Yes. But I, I just, I feel like, and, and that's that's kind of a problem with the Packers too. Zadarius doesn't have a lot of speed. Preston doesn't have a lot of speed. We don't have a lot of speed. So if you get sort of an up-tempo, get the ball out quickly kind of offense, it really neutralizes what we're able to do. You know, obviously you can kind of bring your corners up, play a little press man, kind of force them to sit in the pocket a little bit longer so we can get there. But it makes a big difference. If you've got a guy that's got enough speed to get around the corner, get inside to do all this stuff and have the speed and the burst to once you have that open running lane, which Montez Sweat technically does, right? But you don't see it. So I, I don't. I, it's, it's all just dependent on what teams think. I'm just saying his combine and what you see on tape is very, very different. He doesn't look fast at all. So I don't know. That'll be interesting. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on what happens with him. Mr. DK Metcalf. I think the, the more interesting dynamic here isn't 12, because I think Packer fans unanimously hate the idea of him being at 12, but what about DK at 30? Just from a value standpoint, I know a lot of people are looking at, well, we need a slot guy. We need. I'm just talking about value. I'm talking about a guy that whose upside is Megatron. Now, his floor is relatively low, but a guy with that kind of speed, and I, I know he had a slow three cone, so what? So he's going to have a limited route tree. If you watch that, I forget the name of the guy that did the, his video. There's two guys. There's Sam Gold. And then there's the other guy, and I forget his name, but the other guy did the video, I think, on DK Metcalf. And it was a very good video because he basically said, yeah, Calvin Johnson had a limited tree too. Like 75% of his routes came, or 75, yeah, 75% of his routes were basically like four routes. And it's the exact routes that DK can run. And beyond that, Ole Miss basically just refused to utilize him properly. So if you get him in a Lafleur kind of offense where he gets schemed open, not only can he run fast so he can get down the ball, get down the sideline fast, and he's a jump ball guy, so even if there's coverage, he can go up and get it, but now he's getting schemed open across the middle? I mean, can you imagine like a 25-yard slant or post route where he catches it, but also because of his speed is able to take it all the way to the... I mean, it's just, if he were there at 30, which isn't that unlikely, I mean, I you know, they, they've... There was that rumor about the Bills and the Packers, but I just don't necessarily think so. The Bills kind of make sense. I did that in a mock, like two mocks ago or whatever. Just because Josh Allen's got a big arm, but I think that might be too early. And then you start looking at the teams from there to 30, and there are some wide receiver needy teams. You could look at the Baltimore Ravens as an option, but there's also other wide receivers. There's A.J. Brown. There's Hollywood Brown. There's Nikhil Harry. If there's two or three teams that need wide receivers, and those teams aren't really sure about DK and they want more of a safe option or even a tight end for that matter if tj hawkinson is there do they take tj that baltimore wouldn't take tj hawkinson but could one of these teams lean on noah fant so on my board here i have D, uh, dk metcalf as high as five as low as 30 if he free fell to 30 I, I, i'm just saying alarm bells would be going off a little bit even though I, I don't think the packers would do it just because you know if he's falling that far Maybe we just got it wrong, and he's just not a good value in the first round period, and the Packers aren't going to do it. But I'd, I'd kind of be getting those heart palpitations a little bit. Like, dude, we might be getting DK at 30 right here. And again, I'm, I'm a bigger DK proponent than a lot of other people, but I do think that's interesting. Uh, Christian Wilkins. I think Christian Wilkins we should be talking about more at 12. We don't really want to talk about him at 12, but I do. I mean, he's, again, on my um, positional rankings, on my big board, he is the number two defensive tackle in this entire class behind Quinn and Williams. And I'm not going to go through that whole sheet again because I've already talked about it, but just a, a solid 
guy. Everything about him is, I mean, his, his ability to rush the passer is extremely underrated, very strong, very athletic, very good against the run, very disciplined. Not to mention, if, if you want to talk, I mean, if you talk to somebody and said, who is the high character, if you said the high character guy in this draft, they're probably going to say Christian Wilkins. Packers care a lot about that. I think we should be thinking about him at 12. Now, does he make it to 30? Very unlikely. However, lots of defensive tackles and lots of different flavors, right? We talk, I've talked about how Greg Gaines is incredibly underrated. Maybe you get a guy like that. Maybe you get a guy like Dexter Lawrence, who's somewhat underrated as well, that goes... It would be unlikely he goes before Christian Wilkins, but again, what I'm talking about here is different styles, right? Do you want a, a better pass rusher? If you want maybe just a pure pass rusher, Jerry Tillery is there. Maybe you want Jerry Tillery over Christian Wilkins. Maybe you want Draymond Jones over Christian Wilkins. Probably not, but who knows, right? Taven Bryan went really early last year, a lot earlier than a lot of people thought, and that was the exact... He basically... Taven Bryan last year is basically Draymond Jones. The Jaguars picked him in round one at pick 29. Taven Bryan was another guy that was... He's, he's a second-round guy. You know, he's, he's not versatile enough. He's basically too small. He's just a pure pass rusher in the middle... So what? Jaguars took him at 29. Maybe Draymond ends up being that guy that people just really like because he's a pass rusher and all we care about are pass rushers. Again, given the number of defensive tackles in this group, you could get the effect that I've talked about with running back in the later rounds with defensive tackle in the first round, which I've had have, have had happen several times to where there's more teams that need a defense or more defensive tackles than there are teams that need defensive tackles. So you get value at defensive tackle falling all the way down to 30 that could be interesting I, I don't think he makes it again but it's possible and for that reason uh, Cleveland I have between 6 and 30 I think Cleveland is an option at 12 it wouldn't be my favorite but I also do think 30 is not out of the realm of possibility I would say that Cleveland Furl has a better chance of falling than Christian Wilkins as much as people might disagree with that I do have him higher overall on my board 14 compared to 15 but again, I think Cleveland Furl falls into the same category as Montez Sweat, but maybe even more so. He's a big guy. He's got pretty good athleticism. But if you watch him, I don't see a lot of ability to get to the quarterback fast. Almost all, I mean, just, he's one of those guys that I can't even get excited about him when I watch his highlight reels. You watch his highlights and all of his sacks, for the most part, in a highlight video are like four seconds, five seconds, six seconds. And it's like, the quarterback just can't find anybody down the field, and finally he comes free. And even on some of those, it's like the defensive tackle, like Christian Wilkins or whoever, gets up the middle and forces him over by Cleland, who then just is able to make a tackle after the fact when, you know, I mean, it's just, it, th that was not impressive. If anything, Cleland's getting a negative grade from me on that one. And they put it in a highlight reel because there's not that, you look at Brian Burns and Josh Allen, those are some highlights. That's just boom around the corner in like 1.84 seconds. He gets around the corner and hits the quarterback. Like he's not even finishing his drop and he just got leveled. That's the kind of stuff that can make a really big difference. Cleveland can't do that. He's got a lot of potential as far as a pass rusher and his, his physicality. He's a unique you know, Adonis type of guy, but maybe. Um, Ja'Kai Polite, very, very, very unlikely. I, I think it, the, the one interesting thing is if he gets drafted somewhere, where is it going to be and could it possibly be the Packers? I've said I don't know that I draft him at all, and I'm sure there are teams that have taken him off their board, and if I had to guess, the Packers are one of them. But as much as I say I don't really understand the philosophy of, you know, he, we don't want him in our locker room 
so we'll draft him in the fifth round instead of the first round. I, I just, I don't get, do you want him in the locker room or not? I hate to keep ranting. I just, I don't understand that. And if you're okay with him being in the locker room, dude, if, if he's there at 30, take him. I mean, if he legitimately is like the third best pass rusher and you've gotten over that fact and it's, and, and listen, I'm not worried about his combine as much either, as much as people want to freak out about that. Again, the guy packed on a ton of weight. Somebody gave him some bad advice or maybe, I don't know. But he's a smaller guy, so he's like, well, you better put on weight, and then, you know, whatever. So he puts on weight. He doesn't run very well because he's a smaller guy. So as a team, I'm looking at it and going, okay, well, we got to just tell him to cut weight. And the question is, are we okay with a, I don't know what he weighs, 240, 240-pound pass rusher, 245-pound pass rusher? And if so, then, I don't know, whatever. Bottom line is, he's probably not going to be taken. He'll be there. He won't be taken at 12, 30, or 44. But again, the one interesting thing, and I think this is going to happen like every round, you know, in the, starting in the third round, like, could it maybe be Ja'Kai here? That'd be kind of crazy. As much as I don't like him and I worry about him in the locker room, I also think it's hard to believe that one guy is just going to completely tank a team. I mean, maybe it'd be kind of crazy. And then fourth round, we'll talk about it. And fifth round, we'll talk about it. But anyways, now we're going to get to our first guy that nobody talks about at 12 that maybe is an option at 12, but is also an option at 30. And I've gotten a lot of feedback, and I haven't listened to it, uh, yet, and I don't think I'm going to, just for the sake of time. There's just way too many podcasts, and I'm trying to find, you know, insider nuggets. But anyways, a lot of people reached out about the mock draft that I think it was Packaday did, and there was feedback. I think Aaron Nagler picked for the Packers at 12 and took Reedy Williams, and a lot of people were real upset about that. And I can understand that, but I also have been the one proponent for a very long time of, if the corner is the best value, that's what we have to do. Now, the next corner I have up here is not Greedy Williams, it's Byron Murphy. And I will say that supposedly Byron Murphy is more of a corner, or excuse me, a zone corner, and Greedy is more of a press man corner. I just, I don't know if I buy that. I I think Byron Murphy is a better corner than Greedy Williams, period. But anyway, we'll get to Greedy. Bottom line is, Byron Murphy I have as high as 7 and as low as 34. And the question is again... With Byron Murphy being there at 12, which he most likely will be, he might not be, but he most likely will be, if he's the best player on your board, do you take him or not? Now, the, you know, the, the bigger question is, again, it's not a entirely linear board, whereas it's Byron Murphy at the top. Again, you have tiers, and most likely we wouldn't take Byron Murphy because most likely there would be somebody on that same tier as Byron Murphy, and we would go with the position of bigger need. However, again, for the sake of, for the sake of argument... If he's alone in this tier, are you so confident that Kevin King is not only going to be healthy, but going to be good, and Josh Jackson is going to take a massive step in going from not very good to very good? I mean, who is it that you have at corner outside of Jair that you're so confident in that with Byron Murphy being the best player on the board, we're just going to not take him? We're going to leave the best player just sitting there. And then do you trade, or do you just take the next best guy? you drop down an entire tier of talent, right? So so tier one, you got Quinnen and Bosa and maybe whoever else they like. Tier two, you've got a bunch of studs and apparently Byron Murphy is in that tier two and he's the last one left. Do you just go to tier three? Like, I ah, forget it. I don't even care. I, per, I don't. I'm not doing that. I will take Byron Murphy. Now, and again, this is entirely predicated on the idea that he is definitively better, a higher tier than everybody else that I believe that he is, he's, is as good or better than Jair Alexander. That's the, op, that's the assumption I'm basing this off of. 
if that's the case, I don't have any hesitation whatsoever. So again, and part of the reason I say this is, it is a possibility that at 12 we're taking a corner. I mean, we're, we're talking about the possibility of the Packers taking a quarterback. It's time for us to expand our horizons a little bit and realize anything can happen. We might take a quarterback at 30. Do I think we're going to? No. Do I think we're going to take a corner at, at 12? No. But it absolutely could happen. Again, we, we get so good at looking at so many different angles that we slowly start to hone in as we get closer to the point where we feel like we have everything figured out come draft day. And I think that actually works against us. We got to kind of back it up a little bit. Like, okay, let's, that's good that we've, we've really narrowed it down to what makes the most sense for the first like two rounds. But then we got to back off because we're too rigid. And we don't know the Packers board. They might not even like Byron. I mean, I, I just saw, I don't even remember. I can't remember anybody's name. Somebody just released all of their like top player rankings, one of the big national guys. And, and he had Byron Murphy, I think, third or fourth on the list. And he had DeAndre Baker number one. Despite the poor combine, DeAndre Baker, he had still number one corner. Kind of crazy, but who knows? Another option and another thing that's unlikely. And the, the, the cool thing is this spans three picks. Actually, technically, oh, you know what? I missed... I skipped, no, I didn't because I didn't even say the guy's name yet. But the next two guys span three picks. Number, the first guy is Noah Fant. As high as seven, as low as 47. Now, I think this is interesting because, well, of course I do because I went on a big rant about I don't necessarily understand Noah Fant. But I don't really think it's that unlikely that he makes it to 30. And to be completely honest, I could see a scenario in which Noah Fant is there at 30 everybody. You turn on the national media, you turn on everybody. There's going to be a bunch of live streams. I'm guessing there's going to be other Packer guys doing live streams. I'm guessing there's going to be other national media guys. The Draft Network, I'm positive, is going to be doing a live stream. Everybody, if Noah Fant is there at 30, is saying the Packers are taking Noah Fant. I could see a scenario absolutely 1,000% where they don't take Noah Fant. And I would see everybody melt down. And I would kind of, depending on who the pick is, maybe breathe a sigh of relief. Now, if we skip Noah Fant for Drew Locke, I'll be right there with you. I'll, I'll meet you out there on the corner, lighting trash on fire. But I could absolutely see that happening. The question then is how far does he fall? Do I think he makes it to 44? No. I think if he dips into the second round, he won't survive very long. But let's also remember Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson was supposed to be... We didn't know if Josh Jackson would be there in the first round when we picked. And with him sitting there, even though Derwin was there, so we just assumed it's going to be Derwin, but Josh Jackson could have been an option. Then when the Packers traded back up, it's like, dude, I bet it's Josh Jackson. I mean, I could have been a lot of different people, but that was kind of one of the big thoughts I had was, I bet it's Josh... I mean, we traded up. It's got to be somebody kind of big. It was part of the reason that made it confusing about Jair, because it's like, well, they're not... I mean, maybe he's pretty good, but will we trade up for him? Josh Jackson was supposed to be long gone. And then when it got into the same, hey, listen, here's, here's the other funny thing. I had said that I didn't necessarily like Josh Jackson. I, I didn't really say that. I said I don't want to take Josh Jackson because we got Jair. But the, the question was, do we want to trade up to get him? That's what everybody was saying. Should we trade up to get him? And listen, if Noah Fant slips out of the first round, that's exactly the same conversation everybody's going to be having all over again. Should we trade up for Noah Fant? The same conversation we had about Josh Jackson. Should we trade up to get Josh Jackson? He fell all the way to us. Now, do I want Noah Fanta 12? Absolutely not. Could we take him there? It's possible. Do I want him at 30? I'm a little bit more comfortable with him at 30, especially, again, operating off that assumption that I had talked about where I say, if the Packers and Gutekunst like him, they have a plan for him, this could be huge. And I'm, I'm as much as I say I don't get it now, once the decision is made, depending on my confidence in that team, Right, it's funny. 
because I knew this was going to happen. As soon as Demarius Thomas got picked up by the Patriots, I knew the result was going to be, oh, obviously, as though this was the obvious thing that every team should do, and the Patriots are the one that did it. The, the fact of the matter, though, is if a team that we don't respect would have picked up Demarius Thomas, we would have laughed at him. It's only because it's the Patriots and we assume they're geniuses that everything they do becomes a genius move that everybody else should have done but nobody did. Right? If Gruden would have done this, we would have laughed at him. I mean, partially because he's already got a bunch of wide receivers, but point is... There's certain people we, we respect and certain people we don't, and I respect Gutekunst and their ability to evaluate talent, and if he takes Noah Fant at 12, as uncomfortable as I'll be, I'll understand, what again, what it is they're communicating to me with that pick. Noah Fant is a freak, and he is going to be a focal point of this offense going forward. We're talking Zach Ertz-level crazy, right? Like, where he's he's the guy, although, you know, Devontae's always going to be the guy. But is it possible Noah Fant falls to 44? I think it is. Unlikely, sure. Possible, I definitely think it's possible in the same way that Josh Jackson falling to the Packers in the second round was possible. Next up, another guy that spans three picks is Josh Jacobs. There have been a lot of people saying, and I would say it's almost a consensus, that he is a top 10 player. A lot of people have backed off that, including saying I think other prospects are better, like David Montgomery, which I wouldn't even argue with. But we're talking about the Packers board. Well, we're talking about several things. One of them is the Packers board. And again, if he is the top prospect, do we pass? Now, I think this is a situation where we might because of a lot of factors. Right? Getting a lockdown corner as good as Byron Murphy is going to be in the later rounds isn't going to happen. Getting a really, I mean, the odds of a fifth-round running back having a better career than Josh Jacobs actually isn't that bad. Right? I mean, what is it, like 10%? I mean, it's not 50% for sure, but it's a pretty big number. And even if he's not as good as Josh Jacobs, him being a contributor, then we're getting up into that 50% territory, especially if we're looking for a number three running back. The odds of him being a number three in the fifth round is going to be like 90%. I mean, heck, the the odds of him being better than Jamal Williams has got to be 75%. Maybe it wouldn't be be that high. That's being ridiculous. But, you know, I'd I'd put 50% on that. But again... On this board here, I got him between 8 and 47, almost the exact same as Noah Fant. Is he an option at 30? Is he an option at 44? I think when we get to 44, if he's still there, which he probably won't be, but if he is, he's definitely on my radar as maybe they pull the trigger. Because we're talking about a guy that could be number one on this roster. Now, again, does it make a lot of sense? No. But what if Josh Jacobs was, (laughs) again... What if the Packers see him as a top 15 guy? It just it just gets to the point at some point where it's like, I just can't not do this. That's what it was for Josh Jackson for me last year. I didn't want to trade up for him because we just got Jair. I want to address some other stuff. But once he fell all the way, it's like, I mean, I, I even said, I wasn't doing a live stream, but I even said, was like, well, it's got to be Josh Jackson. I mean, it just, it has to be. You can't, the value's too good here. That was the logic that I had. That was the logic that everybody had. And the Packers did end up, end up taking him. And listen, I think the reason the Packers didn't take him first and the reason the Packers didn't trade up for him is I think not trying to brag here I just think they were they were thinking along the same lines not only that they weren't going to trade up for him and not only because of Jair I don't know that he was a great scheme fit but with a guy of his potential and his upside falling to to the second round I think it's just a matter of we just have to do it we have to do it we have to try and see if we can get him to fit and I don't know if we will I think Josh Jackson going to a different team would have been better for Josh Jackson to be completely honest because it's not a good scheme fit if he had gone to a primarily zone defense, he could have been a stud last year. But whatever, we took him, and we got to try to make this thing work. Man, we're at 41 minutes already? It's crazy. We're going to have to do a part two, I guess. I don't know. Um, Devin Bush. I think it's kind of interesting. 
I got him between 9 and 31. Obviously, he's an option at 12. He could go higher. I just wonder about Devin Bush, and I started thinking about this. I No, I don't think he's going to make it to 30, but, I mean, Devin Bush, what, a, a month ago was like a consensus second-round pick? So, yeah, technically Devin Bush could be the next Jair Alexander, depending on when you want to make the cutoff, because he was a second-round pick, and we could take him at 12. But he's another one, like Montez Sweat. If he didn't have a crazy combine, would anybody be talking about him? Maybe we'd be talking about We'd probably be talking about him at 30, because I think a month ago we were talking about Devin Bush at 30, maybe even not even making it to 30. He was going to go in, like, the 20s, probably. This is a month ago. You go back two months ago, three months ago, he was definitely a second-round guy, right? Mac Wilson was higher than Devin Bush for a while. So I don't know. I, 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 the one thing I want to be cognizant of is recent um, assumptions that are being made, and who's making the assumptions? Right? He had a really good combine, so you have a lot of people saying a lot of things. But who's saying it? Do teams all believe this? Do the Packers believe this? I don't know. So, I mean, look, he's very confident. Right? I, I would say it's more likely Noah Fant makes it to 44 than Devin Bush makes it to 30, if you want an idea of where my head's at. Just because there's so many teams. And again, you know, Devin Bush, with even his upside and the, the stark drop-off in linebacker talent, probably is going to make him go early, especially, you know, you look at teams like the Chiefs that need a linebacker, the Steelers would love to have him, uh, the Rams, I think, could use him, obviously the Packers at 12, I mean, there, there's so many deficient teams, I mean, even the, 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 the Dolphins, who just need everything, could take him, it seems unlikely, but who knows, um, next up, Dexter Lawrence, he spans quite a bit, his highest is 9, his lowest is 52, so outside of Jeffrey Simmons and Ja'Kai Polite, that's, that's a big difference. Now, I've said I like Dexter Lawrence, but similar to a lot of these other guys, it comes down to not only scheme fit, because he's a larger guy, how many teams actually want a, you know, 330-pound guy or whatever he is, but also the style of player. Now, yes, he's super athletic, and he was he was productive as a pass rusher in college. I don't know how much credit he's going to get in the NFL for that. I think a lot of teams are going to look at him as a pure nose tackle, and the question is how many teams want to... I don't even know if the Packers want a nose tackle as a 3-4 defense. Again, we we kind of shy away from the 330-pound guys. Now, Dexter Lawrence is different because I think the problem with 330-pound guys is that they're not athletic. Well, Dexter Lawrence is, so he can do the things that you want a nose tackle to do, like Kenny Clark. He's a nose tackle, but he's a smaller guy, and he has more athleticism than your typical 330-pound guy. Dexter Lawrence might be able to do that, too. Now, is it a great fit for the Packers? Probably not, right? If anything, we want a smaller pass-rushing type defensive end to go next to Kenny Clark, who is our nose tackle. So do I think it's going to happen? No. But again, at 30, maybe. At 44, maybe. I mean, my, my ears are going to be perked up if he's sitting there at 44. Would it be my pick? Probably not. I would assume he's just going to keep sliding on past the Packers, even if he's just the one first-round guy left, outside of maybe Josh Jacobs or something. I'm probably just going to say, no, nah, he's just going to keep sliding. But it's a possibility. And again, what I'm trying to do here is just, look, I, I know we're not going to take him at 12. I get that. And yeah, we're probably not going to take him at 30 either. What if he falls to 44 is what I'm talking about. Greedy Williams. Same conversation I had with Byron Murphy. As high as 10, as low as 32. Is it possible? Greedy Williams, who comes from similar to um, Byron Murphy, who comes from Washington, a great defensive back school. He comes from LSU, another really good defensive back school. A, A long, rangy, press man corner. If he's the best player on the board, do the Packers take him at 12? Beyond that conversation, if he falls to 30, which I do think is a possibility, do we take him at 30? Now, I don't know how I feel about him at 12 because I'm not the biggest greedy fan, but at 30, oh man. Especially with the good scheme fit, wow. 
Now, I still think Packer fans as a whole would dislike this pick because Packer fans don't like the idea of taking a corner period, especially early. And I get that, right? If you want, you know, do what you've done with wide receiver and and running back in the past where you just wait until the mid to late rounds and stack up on two or three of them. And we'll see if maybe one of them can be a stud and be a starter. And then otherwise we got decent depth. I get that. But again, the question is, Greedy Williams is there at 30. He's the best player on the board. Are you going to take him? You know my answer is yes. Could he fall that far? I absolutely think he could. Because they're, listen, Rocky Sin, Amani Aruarie, Justin Lane, DeAndre Baker. There's a lot. So of the teams, maybe three or four or five in the first round that want a corner, how many of them are going to take a corner over, you know, pass rusher, quarterback, safety, defensive tackle, edge rusher, whatever. If, if, if maybe there's two or three corners that go in the first round, is it possible Greedy isn't one of them? Or, you know, maybe two go and then Greedy still, of course it is. I think the consensus on Greedy right now is that he's a, a guy that's going to go probably in the 20s. At least that's the last I heard. He's kind of overvalued by a lot of the national media, and they see him going kind of in the 20s. Well, if he could make it to the 20s, there's only so many teams that are going to be picking between the 20s and the Packers at 30. How many of them want a corner? How many of them that need a corner are going to take a corner? And how many of them that want a corner and plan on taking a corner think Greedy Williams is the best available corner? That's with Byron Murphy possibly still being there. And again, DeAndre Baker and a bunch of these other guys. This is definitely going to be a multi-parter for sure. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, as high as 10, as low as 70. Garrett Bradbury is, is considered by some to be the best interior offensive lineman in the class. It is a need for the Packers. Same question. Best player available, do you take him? Now, I know he's listed as a center, but I'm assuming he can play guard here. If we're assuming he can play guard, he's the best player available at 12, do you take him? He could be available at 30. I, I Again, I, I have him as low as 70 on one of these boards somewhere. He's not making it that far. I'd be pretty surprised if he fell out of the first round, but it's possible because... Same kind of situation. How many guys want to take an interior offensive lineman with all the other talent available? And then of the interior offensive lineman, when you've got Cody Ford available, when you've got Chris Lindstrom available, could he fall? Yeah. DeAndre Baker, very similar situation at corner out of Georgia, as high as 10, as low as 64. And again, I I just want everybody to realize the potential here. DeAndre Baker is considered by some to be, you know, I I guess technically top 10. If the Packers see him as a top 10 prospect, even if we don't take him at 12, we got to recognize the potential that he's our pick at 30. Now, as low as 64 means he could be, for all I know, our third round pick. But it is a possibility. Similar conversation here. Dalton Reisner, as, as high as 10, as low as 93. Some people really, really don't like Dalton Reisner. Now, for whatever reason, I must have been hearing some stuff that I just can't remember. I have never really seen him as going very high. I would not be surprised if he's a second-round pick. There's just something about Dalton Reisner. I'm not sure what it is, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. His average overall grade is 40. So he is graded as high as 10, but his average is 40, and I have him overall at 35 as his rank. I want to talk about two more. I'm going to skip Andre Dillard because we already understand the potential there. But I want to talk about two other guys. Number one is Deontay Thompson, safety out of Alabama. Now, we've all written him off. We've written him off at 12. We've written him off at 30. And I don't think anybody even wants to take him at 44. Here's the situation, though. He's graded as high as 10, as low as 76. So we'll disregard the 76, because I think if we take him after pick 44, we're going to say that's a great deal. It's a steal. If we rewind to 44, though, I think there's going to be a lot of split feelings, especially depending on how many other safeties are available. 
if Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is available, if Nasir Adderley, of course he won't be, if Jonathan Abram is available, if Taylor Rapp is available, how many of us are going to be comfortable with Deontay Thompson? Especially if we rewind a little bit, what if he goes at 30? Remember, this is a guy who was like a consensus top 15 for a very, 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 very long time until everybody, including myself, started watching him and going, okay, what is it about him that's special? And nobody had an answer, so he fell into the second round. But presumably there's something there beyond he's an Alabama safety, so let's just put him top 10. There, there's got to be something to his game that's appealing. And again, this is, this is a guy, and the reason I bring him up, that we've completely written off. So I would say this is somebody we should watch out for at pick 44 and be on red alert as a, a guy that goes really early that we don't really want at 30. Finally, there's another guy. I think he's just not talked about enough, period. I, I think you know he's, he's one of the better offensive linemen in this entire class, and nobody talks about the guy ever, considering he's a guard, which is a position that we need, considering he's valued... Um, I have him as high as 11, as low as 57, but is is widely considered to be maybe the best interior offensive lineman, or I would say borderline consensus best interior offensive lineman in the class, with the exception, obviously, of Garrett Bradbury, who somebody has 10th, and and this guy is 11th. But that's Cody Ford out of Oklahoma. Now, I'll, I'll say this. I don't think, even though he's graded as low as 57, I don't think he makes it to 30. The question is, though, what if we take Cody Ford at 12? It's a tough sell because he's a guard, but, you know, if this guy is a top 10 talent, if this guy is heads and tails above the other guys, let me put it this way. If you knew definitively that he was going to be a good starter, do you not think that it would be a good value? In other words, forget what you think about Cody Ford or whatever. If the Green Bay Packers are telling you he will be a good football player, considering what we know the needs are for this team, would you not want Cody Ford? I mean, as far as needs go, you know there's going to be somebody that's valuable at defensive tackle and edge rusher, but we kind of have that figured out. Not perfect. It could be better. We can keep adding people, but I'm just saying it's not a dire situation. Looking at dire situations, the only ones I can really point to, you know, disregarding depth, is what, safety, guard, and linebacker with, with an outside shot at maybe wide receiver not panning out or tight end not panning out. But we, I mean, we have the bodies and we have the guys that we can fill those roles. I just, linebacker, we got one guy, we need at least two. Safety, we've got one guy, we need at least two. And guard, I don't know if we have a good guard yet. It's possible Lane Taylor and um, Mr. Billy can, can figure this thing out, or possibly McCray or uh, Cole Madison. But again, as far as needs, I'm, I'm looking at guard, linebacker, and safety. Maybe throw in wide receiver. But at pick 12, we know there's not a good safety available. Well, maybe there is one, which maybe I'll just talk about him because he's next on the list anyways, outside of Drew Locke, who who cares. But there's probably not a good safety available. So it comes down to what, linebacker and guard? And we're fine with taking a linebacker, but if there's no linebackers, are you telling me that you're not okay taking Cody Ford at 12? I know guard isn't the sexiest pick in the world, but it's one of our biggest needs, and Cody Ford is maybe the best interior guy in this entire class. If he's a good value at 12, I'm fine taking him at 12. That brings us to our final, final guy, and that is somebody who is graded, and this is the furthest down the board that is graded as number 12 overall at the highest. In other words, a potential top 12 player. But that's Mr. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson out of Florida. Now, he's as low as 82, but this is somebody that I want to spend a little bit more time watching because some people really, really, really like him. I think a lot of people say he's a guaranteed lock first-round guy. He's not a spreadsheet guy, I can tell you that. I have him at 10th overall out of 24. 
So he's kind of mediocre for me. But a lot of people really, really like him. All right, decent athleticism. Beyond all that, though, you know, as far as the spreadsheet goes, best coverage guy of all the safeties, which is pretty serious. All right, we assume it's Nasir Adderley because he's got all that speed. I got Nasir Adderley number two, and this is PFF grades. It's close behind, by the way. But Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, even though Nasir Adderley technically is 89.9, if, if we're being strict with our criteria here, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is the only guy who has an elite coverage grade. The biggest problem with him, though, worst tackler of all the safeties. That's a problem. Now we're getting into haha Clinton Dix territory all over again. Good cover guy, can't tackle at all. So do I think he's an option at 12? Probably not. But again, early second round, possibly first round prospect at this point that maybe could jump to the Packers. Or if the Packers trade back, could they take him at 18 or 19? Maybe. I'm just trying to find those guys that the Packers are going to pick that everyone's going to go, what? This would be one of those picks. Now, if we took him at 30, it would be kind of a what situation, but not nearly as much. And I think a lot of people would uh, kind of fall in line with that. Obviously, 44 is where people feel the most comfortable. I I think safety in general, everyone just says, ah, 44 is the safety spot. But anyways, lots more prospects to look at. I don't know if I'm going to do it tomorrow or if I'm going to try to find something else to do just to try to break it up a little bit. But it's, 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 again, it's fun to kind of erase the assumptions, pretend we don't know everything, and just kind of look at some possible shocking scenarios. Guys that could go high, guys that could fall. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic, I believe it's Wednesday. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.